Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of A Light Unto My Path. I'm your host Howard Sides and today we're continuing our study through the book of Revelation. We're in chapter 21 and we're down to uh, verse 24 and the last podcast we stopped kind of in, in the middle of a thought. We're on the final phrase in verse 24, do bring their glory and honor into it and uh, I wanted to stop and cut it off and pick up this thought because there's some interesting material I wanted to bring out and um, answer basically a question that you may have. Uh, if I thought of it, I'm sure somebody out there has thought of it as well. And it was going to take a while to uh, go through it. And, and I wanted to use an example of how you kind of have to be careful um, what you read. Uh, and, and things like this, okay? All right, so let, let's get into it. Verse 24, it says, And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. And that's basically the phrase we're talking about, bring their glory and honor into it. Now, the question is, why isn't everyone just placed within this holy city? Why, why are they in two separate places? Why create a new earth? in a new city, a new Jerusalem, and all that. Why, why not everybody in one place? The simple answer to that is, uh, it's for God's glory. God wanted it that way. God did it that way. <laughs> he didn't ask us about it. Uh, now, some people use exaggerated and far-reaching reasons for why this is. And, and it's not based on Scripture. It's based on, well, I think, or my theory on this is, and, and such and such. And I wanted to kind of use an example of this, and, and I'm not picking on anybody here. I, I want to be clear about that. I'm not picking on anyone, uh, but I'm giving you an example uh, of a man's published work, okay? And and I don't agree with what he says, and, and, and so basically that's what we're talking about. Now, now, the material we're talking about is the published statements from a man by the name of Clarence Larkin. Now, many people know that name based on the charts he's made of everything from Genesis uh, to Revelation and things like the, the, A great mind with that stuff. Great charts. Um, but again, some of the things are not completely biblical based on what I believe. And I wanted to use some statements he made about this holy city and New Jerusalem and a New Earth and all that, and and show you where some people get off and why why it gets far reaching, and then I think it, sometimes it just kind of builds off of that. Now, he Clarence Larkin suggests that God places these people on this New Earth to repopulate it. Okay, I I, I have no problem with that. I I would assume that maybe they will be having children. I don't know the answer to that, though. I don't know that they will. I don't know that they will not. So I can't really deny that argument. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on and he says, when this population becomes too large, God will then use the surplus population to colonize other spheres or worlds, basically is what he's getting at. And he reasons by saying, and I quote, our solar system is only in its infancy. The earth is the only one of its planets as yet habitable. Where are the inhabitants for the other planets to come from? 
Think you that the planets of our solar system and the planets of other solar systems, of which the, or, which the stars are the suns, were made simply to adorn the heavens for our little earth? And then Mr. Larkin adds why he believes this by stating, and I quote again, God does not plan things on a small scale, and it magnifies his power and wisdom to believe that he created man in his own likeness, a created being higher than the angels, and gifted with the power of procreation that he might, by means of him, populate the universe. This magnifies the scheme of redemption. Think you that God gave his son to die on Calvary just to redeem a few millions of the human race? Why, he could have blotted them out, as he probably did the pre-Adamite race and created a new race. And Satan would have laughed because he had the second time blocked God's plan for the peopling of this earth. <clears throat> Excuse me. No, God will not permit Satan to block his plan for peopling this earth with a sinless human race. The death of Christ was not merely to redeem a few millions of the human race, but to redeem the earth and the race itself from the curse of sin and the dominion of Satan. Okay, now let's debate a few of these statements from Mr. Larkin. First of all, he says, or he asks, where are the inhabitants for the other planets to come from? All right, first of all, there's absolutely no scripture reference anywhere that indicates there is another race of beings on or in any other solar system. In fact, Paul tells us uh, that there's three heavens in 2 Corinthians 12, 2 through 4, and through them three heavens, that's as far as we know about the solar system. Yes, we know there's stars out there, but as far as where beings are, that's all we're told. Uh, now, it, he turns around and he asks this question. He said, think you that the planets, the stars or the suns, were made to simply adorn the heavens for our little earth? Well, in short, yes. Yes, they were. God continually used the stars for our benefit, for our comfort, uh, as symbols of promise uh, to challenge or uh, our curiosity and, and et cetera, all kinds of things. So, yeah, he did put them up there for us. Uh, let me see. Uh, some references for that. Genesis 15, 5. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. So God used him as a reference to how many kids Abraham was going to have. And then Abraham, he had to pick Abraham up off the ground after he told him he was going to have a bunch of kids. No, I'm just kidding there. Uh, Numbers 24, 17. I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and shall smite the corners of Moab and destroy all the children of Sheph. A star out of Jacob. That does not mean that the literal orb is going to come out of this man, Jacob. It's one of his offspring, one of his descendants. Uh, Deuteronomy, 4, Deuteronomy 4, 19 and 26 Lest thou lift up thine eyes into heaven, and when thou seest the sun and the moon and the stars, even all the host of heaven, shouldest be driven to worship them and serve them, which the Lord thy God hath divided unto all nations under the whole heaven. Verse 26. I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day, that ye shall soon utterly perish from off the land, whereunto ye go over Jordan to possess it. Ye shall not prolong your days upon it, but shall utterly be destroyed. God's basically telling you don't worship them. They're not that important. There's nothing out there. It's just there for beauty. And then he said, if you do that, I'm going to use them against you. 
Uh, Psalms chapter 8, verses 1 through 9, he talks about them again there. Psalms 19, 1 through 7. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and the words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoices at a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven, and his circuit unto the ends of it. And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Yes, God created all of that just for us to look at. Mr. Larkin then goes on and says, He created man in his own likeness, a created being higher than the angels, and gifted with the power of procreation that he might, by means of him, populate the universe. Okay, and I know what Paul says in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 6 through 9. But one in a certain place testified, saying, and, and he's basically referencing Psalms chapter 8. He says, What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crownest him with glory and honor, and didst set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels. Jesus, also a little lower. For the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Now, I cannot say whether Mr. Larkin is specifically meaning that Adam alone was created higher than the angels, or if he is suggesting that all of mankind was. Based on what he is saying here in this whole passage, I believe he means all of mankind. Either way, Hebrews chapter 2, verses 6 through 9, which we just read, tells us that all mankind, as well as Christ himself, were made a little lower than the angels. Not higher, but lower than the angels. Now, it would seem that Mr. Larkin believed that mankind was intended to be some superhuman being that had the ability to procreate to the pace that many worlds and other universes would be populated by all these children. Based on this, there would be some pretty unhappy parents when their kids were moved completely out of this world, right? I mean, it's got to stop and break off somewhere. Then he remarks, Think you that God gave his son to die on Calvary just to redeem a few millions of the human race? Uh, no, he didn't. He gave his son to die on the cross of Calvary just to show his love for us, even if, even if absolutely no one accepted it. Romans 5.8 says, But God commendeth, meaning shows, but God shows, commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That phrase, while we were yet sinners, is not saying that Christ died on the cross banking on the fact that eventually we're going to believe him and follow him and accept him and obtain salvation. That is not what it's saying. It's not saying that he died for us while we were yet sinners in that we didn't understand it, but eventually we're going to come to understand what he did. No, it's saying that Christ died for us while we were yet sinners, even if we never understood it, even if we stayed sinners, even if every single one of us rejected the plan he did it to show his love for us. And that's it. Okay? And then he adds this. He said, and I quote, 
Why, he could have blotted them out as he probably did the pre-Adamite race and created a new race. And Satan would have laughed because he had the second time blocked God's plan for the peopling of this earth. No, God will not permit Satan to block his plan for peopling this earth with a sinless human race. Now here Mark, Mr. Larkin assumes the gap theory, which causes a few words because he's talking about this pre-Adamite race. He's basically saying there were people here on this earth before Adam. Now, there's one extremely major, big, huge problem with that gap theory. One of the, would, it, one of the facts that it could not be is because it would introduce sin and death before Adam and Eve committed the first sin, which thereby began death. The Bible clearly points that out for us. Wherefore is by one man sin, sin entered into the earth, right? Okay, so he's just assuming there was a race. Now, then he's saying there was this nut. Now, he takes it even further. He assumes that this first human race was so infected by Satan that God had to wipe them completely out. In other words, he was saying Satan won. Satan won. Yeah, that, that's what he's saying. But then he says uh, the blotting out of this group of people, which basically destroyed with the earth in 2 Peter 3, would have been the second time Satan blocked God's plan. This would suggest that God is having to react to Satan's accomplishments. But let's not forget what God promised in Genesis chapter 3. Genesis 3, 15 says, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman. I'm going to make a war between y'all. And between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Now then Mr. Larkin concludes by saying, and I quote, The death of Christ was not merely to redeem a few millions of the human race, but to redeem the earth and the race itself from the curse of sin and the dominion of Satan. End quote. Now scripture tells us in Genesis 3.17, And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Now based on this scripture, yes, the death of Christ was not only for the purpose of saving or redeeming mankind, as Mr. Larkin puts it. Let me fix that real quick. Okay, but to remove the curse of sin upon the earth as well. While we can all agree that Christ's death on the cross is worth much more than just saving unworthy mankind, the insinuation here is that Christ's death on the cross was intended for more than just humankind on earth, where he says merely to redeem a few millions, but for who he calls the race. Uh, whoever that may be. All right. <clears throat> uh, we've gone about 15 minutes, but I, I I just wanted to put another section on here, commenting on that one phrase about that. And, and you see people reach out. And again, this is there's this thing out here about aliens. Are there aliens? Aliens as defined as cre other creatures living on other worlds and, um, you know, coming to earth and using us as test samples and things like that no I, I don't see anywhere in the bible that could possibly be true what i do see in the bible is that there are demons that can fly they can be up in the air they can certainly be these lights it calls satan himself an angel of light these people that have this near-death experience where they see this light at the end of the tunnel we always joke and say, you better be careful. It may be the train coming. Well, yeah, that's true. 
But at the same time, just because something's shiny, that don't mean it's good. Uh, ask a fish. Yeah, that lure's shiny. That ain't never turned out good for the fish, has it? Right, so based on that, uh, no, I, there's no aliens. But I think what a lot of these people are seeing uh, is demons. I, I really do believe that. I do think there is stuff flying around out there. And it's just, it's, it's setting up what's going to happen when the church is raptured out. There's going to have to be an answer for all these people gone, all these people missed. There's going to be a worldwide panic unless somebody has an answer. And I believe these aliens, at least right now, it's building up to be, and that's going to be the answer. I, is that true? I don't know. Anyway. Okay, so uh, that finishes that thought. It concludes that uh, portion uh, about no son needed, and it ends verse 24. So look, we got basically two verses left because we already covered 26 in the stuff that John saw in the first section. So two verses left, and we're down to the last chapter of Revelation. After what? Uh, hundreds, 217 episodes. I think this is 218, I, I believe. I think that's when I started in Revelation 1. I don't know. Wow. That's amazing. I, and listen, we could go back through this book and do it all over again and come up with all new stuff. I, we do every time. I, I, that, that's that's what's so great about this book. Just because you go through it don't mean it's done and you've learned it all and you can move on. Oh, no. <laughs> it's not like that at all. Okay, so thank you for listening again. I uh, hope you have a wonderful day. Remember to pray for me. Pray for your local church. Pray for uh, the other listeners on this podcast. And have a blessed day. Okay, God bless you.